Well, with COVID blighting social norms and rites of passage these past two and a half years, what can help older teens get their mojo back? They've had a hard time through the pandemic, disruption at school and university, having to do a lot of learning online, a lot of those social contacts have been denied them. Clinical psychologist Karen Nimmo is with us to discuss how best to help teenagers through this stage to build resilience uh, so they can be as resilient as they can be in making study and career choices and possibly preparing to leave home. And also just to note when perhaps something more serious is happening than the pandemic blahs I think we're all familiar with. Karen, lovely to have you with us. Thanks for coming in. Kia ora, Catherine. Thanks for having me. Well, it's been an unusual couple of years for everybody. And the standout for teens and young people in general is that a year at that age is just so much larger a proportion of your life than those of us who are a little bit older, right? Um and they really have had, as we said, those rites of passage disrupted. What are you hearing? What are you um, seeing happening, uh, given the situation? Well, you're right. Not just unusual, but psychologically extremely stressful. Nearly three years now, young people um, have taken a real psychological hit. At the time when you should be finishing school, kicking off your next stage of your life, your work, your study, your flatting, that sort of thing, and it's all been shut down. So what we've got is a micro-generation of young people who feel ripped off by the whole COVID experience. Um, and that has been, obviously, that's had an impact on mental health and well-being because that's time they can't get back. And I think it's been really hard on parents too. Um, the worry, seeing your young people locked up at home and can't mix with their friends and their friendships stifled. Um, and as every parent knows, it's really hard to be happy when you see your kids struggling. What are the particular dynamics of the pandemic and its response on uh, on this age group. And is it simply that, as we said, life is shorter, you haven't been through as many highs and lows, but also these are the years that you're really looking forward to. With all their emotional ups and downs and heartbreaks and rejections, they're incredibly important years and they've just been kind of mucked with. I agree with you. I think we have to be careful, though, not to dump COVID with the blame for everything. Adolescence was always, has always been a really challenging life stage. Um, that is that time of life when you're trying to establish independence, your sense of self, um, getting into first relationships, uh, dealing with sex, finding your people. Um, so always those challenges have been there, but I think COVID really turned the screw in terms of people's relationships, social lives, making plans and that sort of thing. Um, I think though we, if parents are looking back through the ages, we've always struggled with that life stage in a way because you've got this beautiful little child who suddenly turns into something of an alien to you and they're defiant and they're oppositional and you feel a little bit like you're losing control and you're helpless in that space. So when COVID came along and made it really hard on kids, I think that put extra pressure on not just parents but families. And there's been a lot of conflict Parents speak about conflict between parenting styles and things as they've tried to help their kids get through this difficult stage. And those things are exacerbated as well because everything's impacted. So as you're working out with your partner a parenting style or, hey, would you stop undermining what I'm trying to do here or whatever, everyone's tetchier. Everyone is in the background dealing with the stress of this thing and it becomes a bit of a snowball. You said something really important to remind ourselves of, which is that that oppositional behaviour is not just healthy, it is vital as your young person begins to 
loosen their dependence on you, to stretch their own wings, to use their own muscles. And just explain a little bit more about how that should happen healthily and why. That is a very big question, but you're right that we have to, I mean, obviously independence should happen. And as your child starts to pull away from you, that is what's supposed to happen. But as a parent, that feels really difficult because you've been nurturing and protecting perhaps and trying to do all the right things with your child. And suddenly they don't want as much of you and sometimes they don't want a bar of you. And so a divide develops between you. I think It's fair to say, though, that parents that don't have problems during this stage are unusual. It is a really difficult um, passage of time. I feel, I must, if I'm honest, still feel slightly traumatised by bringing my own children through those teenage years because it is really difficult to watch your kids change and try to give them enough rope while still trying to be a good parent when one day they love you and want to hug you and one the next day they absolutely hate you and don't want a bar of you. This question of teenage withdrawal, uh, if they're up in their rooms, on their phones, doing whatever they're doing and leaving you out in a normal circumstance, you might want to manage that. You might want to you know, ensure there's enough interaction with the family. You want to keep in touch with, with what's going on with them. But again, in these extraordinary times, I guess what's a healthy withdrawal into their own world and what is a worry that because they haven't been to school or because they're over online learning um, or because that trip got cancelled or because that sport didn't happen, the withdrawal is something you might be a bit more worried about. Yes, withdrawal is one of the things that parents are mentioning the most. Obviously, there's the big clinical issues like the depression, the anxiety and the eating disorders and those things that have been exacerbated during the um, pandemic. But if we're talking about the basics of what parents worry about, it's withdrawal, it's the loss of motivation, it's feeling lost, it's not being able to make plans, it's all that time online when they're not sure exactly what they're doing, whether it's homework or gaming or on social media in a safe and healthy way. Um, It's the impact on friendships and it's the other really big one is loneliness. Now loneliness was already spiking in the 15 to 24 year age group before the pandemic. So we can only imagine, I haven't seen the really current figures, but we can only imagine what that spike has, what level that's gone to now because it has really disrupted those normal interactions of life. And so kids are spending... Let's be honest, adolescents always wanted to spend a lot of time in their rooms, but now it's kind of at a different level, so it's really hard for parents to figure out. And there's a lot of, I suppose, trust-based intuition. You know your child. You have to um, kind of try to keep up with when it turns into something a little bit difficult, a little bit different. And probably the key thing to look out for is change, and not just normal levels of adolescent moodiness and things but the key words would probably be excessive and persistent change so when you sort of notice that real shift in their the way they present themselves to you and their friends and in the world that's when it's time to take a little bit more notice we're talking about two different but related things one is a loss of mojo because this thing has been a gigantic pain in the butt for everybody mm-hmm. And for kids, again, they have that shorter time frame, that shorter range of experiences, and it feels very large and very, you know, everything. Um, And let's focus on that first. Everyone's a bit restless. 
No one's surprised to see a whole bunch of young people heading overseas at the moment and getting the hell out of Dodge. Mm -hmm. But if something like, I actually don't want to finish my university course anymore, or actually I want to get a job but it's not the one you've got in mind for me, I just want to do this, or if it's just I don't want to do anything. Like, if we're talking about some people who just felt like the plans they thought they had have been disrupted or they've lost the excitement for those plans, how can we talk to them? And, and, and again, what are you looking for if we're just trying to get the train back on the track? Well, the first thing I think, and a hard one for parents to accept, is that it's their journey and not yours. So this has been uh, something that none of us lived through as adolescents. It's a really different time and space. So I guess we have to be a little bit flexible about our expectations for them. A lot of the young people that you will see in therapy, for example, are put a huge amount of pressure on themselves. They really want to contribute and build meaningful lives and do great things in the world. And so this gap, this kind of stoppage in their world over the last two or three years has been really hard on that and I think that's contributed to that real flatness. But for parents, we know the old the old rules are kind of the best rules. We have to be there, we have to give them time, we have to ask them what, what's up without um, being up in their face. Adolescents need time and space to figure things out for themselves. And I think we have to be careful not to, two things probably, not to overdo the positivity as in everything's going to be okay, you'll be right, you'll get there, um, I just want you to be happy, all that sort of thing because that is annoying and a little bit dismissive of where they are. And the other thing to be careful of is talking too much about the great potential they have because that's a really stretch goal and kids will often think they have potential but the frustration is that whether the gap between where they are now and where they want to be feels massive as you said before a really big gap and so that kind of throws them into that whole space of it's just easier to do nothing or just to exist is it talk is it accepting that there might be a year that is just spent I don't know um not you know, not not doing what they were doing, but just searching for what they might want to do. Um, what are some of the the, the, the tactics or, or, or strategic approaches you can have, or is it a case of just hey, I'm here, I support you, whatever whatever calls get made right now? That's obviously huge, and I think we do need to accept that there might be a different pathway, as I said before. But the other thing, there are several things that you can do. You can manage. For a start, your own reactions to whatever's going on. Now, that's really important. If you're getting into big fights with your teen or your young person, um, you have to accept that half of that is you. So if you don't react in a really negative or really escalated emotional way, you don't give them the same thing to bounce up against. So you are, you're, one of your main jobs is to be steady. The Another thing you can do is to encourage them to um, build a... So build a good life, not an easy life, and and therefore don't take away the um, the obstacles and the barriers for them. Don't try to problem solve and don't try to fix everything and don't try to come up with a million different solutions to why they're feeling flat right now. Just encourage them to, to think it through and to take small steps and that you'll be there to support their decisions and that sort of thing. And the other thing, which is really hard for for parents of adolescents when they're tricky, I know, but is to try to like them who they are for who they are now as they are. Um, because and to consider 
building their self-esteem based on their personal qualities rather than their achievements because often we measure ourselves by all the things we've done and when in the last two or three years we haven't been able to do much, it feels a little bit like, who am I? You know, Where am I going? That sort of thing. But if you base who you are on the good things about you as a person, it's much easier to feel good about yourself no matter what you're doing. The last time we were talking, it was about your book, The Good Partner, and you just alluded to something really important there, which is the parenting styles, and again, we've got whole households under stress, as you say. We've potentially got relationships under stress. We've got individuals under stress, and often not even necessarily knowing why. So... Again, how are you talking to your partner about this and and are you working out, are you going to need to work out where you both stand on what's happening so that there is a united front presented to your young person? Absolutely, but easier said than done. I've seen two uh, mothers lately who have been absolutely at their wits end, not so much with their teen, well obviously there are issues there, but with their partner and trying to square off their parenting styles because the good cop, bad cop, thing comes into play along with all the anxieties that they've experienced during COVID and that makes it really really difficult to parent when there are two people in the house pulling in different directions and of course in some households and many um, a lot of households there is only one parent and so they don't have that support so you are trying to parent based and deal with all your own anxiety at the same time which presents some significant challenges for people. What is it that we really want our young people to to have at this time of life? Maybe it's not that university degree and be in your first whatever job and have your KiwiSaver at this level and um, have your 10-year plan. Because if there's one thing we're all living with right now, it's the level of uncertainty and we have to get used to living with that uncertainty. We have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable, whoever we are, because that's just where our world's at right now and it's being, as you and I were talking about before we came on air, it's being relentlessly communicated to us. So let's come back to the basics. What do you want that young person in their teens, coming into their 20s, to have? What is it as a parent you want to have helped get established for them? If you boil it down to one word, it's resilience. Um, The traditional definition of resilience is all about bouncing back from adversity and and that sort of thing, but I think that is uh, a pipe dream. I think that's too too hard, it's too much of a stretch goal. Um, If you think about it, when we go through challenges and struggles, we don't bounce out of them. That is ridiculous. We, at best, we crawl. We come back slowly. So what we want young people to have, and this is what all parents ask for when they come to see a psychologist or a therapist, is tools to um, help them find their way through. But having said that, tools are something that you can Google on the internet. We all, there's a million out there. What you really need to do is to help your young person get to know themselves because then they can apply the tools in a meaningful way. The more you know about yourself, the better equipped you are to navigate not just other relationships but your pathway through life. And if I had one, one dream uh, for every young person out there, that would be to get to know as much as possible about who you are, your reactions, your emotions, your trigger points, um, everything you can so that you are well armed to, d- to deal with the uncertainty of whatever's coming next. It's such wise words. They are such wise words. 
And I think also that sometimes the difference, you've just hit on the difference, and I've discussed this before, between being that age where you don't know if you're a good person or not in any way. Correct. Am I a nice human being? Am I a good enough human being? By the time you're older, you know yourself and you accept it, the good, the bad and the ugly. I hope so. Anyway, it's 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 hard if you haven't accepted mm-hmm. it. And you accept your imperfections. You know them, you know how to mitigate them, and you know how to forgive yourself for them, right? So they're at that start of that journey. When they're younger, they're very focused on themselves because they have to be there, um, biologically designed to be, you know, focused on me. At, they're at that stage where they're broadening their focus, and they're just at sea. And you're trying to help them say, Let's work out, let's have you work out who you are, and that's the path to accepting who you are. Absolutely, yep. I mean, as I said, the more you can know, um, the better armed you'll be. But the best way, I guess, to build self-esteem in a young person, because if you think about it, self-esteem is a very kind of abstract concept. I think it's self-worth is the bigger word, to be honest. You can have self-esteem and not have self-worth. Yeah, but how then do you build it? You, you know, mm. people often say, my, and, and people will say this through all the ages, they'll be 60 years old and say, my self-worth or my self-esteem's always been low, which is really tough. If you think about it, it's just a concept. So the best way to build self-esteem is to find evidence for the positive traits of the person you are. So if you think you're a kind person, or you may be, you look for examples of you being kind in the world. And what a parent can do is to look for those, the evidence, um, and uh, remind the young person of the evidence that they have acted in this particular way. Because it's really hard for a kid, even if they're defiant, to refute evidence. If a parent says to them, oh, you're, I love you, you're a good person, they say, you're just saying that because you're my mother or my father, right? But if you find evidence for it, it's really hard for them to knock it back. The problem that this generation has, and we were talking about the multiplicity of factors upon them, is they're spending so much of that time that they should be inwardly learning about themselves, reading someone else's bloody two cents and on TikTok or whatever, or you know. Yeah. And it's not like there hasn't always been someone else's opinion on who you are at this age but it's just relentless and that alone time in one's own head and alone time to weigh some of these things up is hard to find when we're eh, 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 all the time I've got a device in my hand and I'm that's right it's it's very scattering yeah of your kind of sense of self isn't it to be constantly getting input um, from everywhere, but I don't think we're going to be able to turn we can't that, undo it. that no. particular tap off. That's no. that's gone. But I think we can still think sometimes. Do I do I really know myself? If I ask that question of people, they'll say, "Yeah, I know my favourite food, my favourite colour, um, what I like to wear." But if you say, "Do you know how you react under stress? What is your go-to emotional response?" Um, they will look at you very blankly. Well, here's the thing: what is self-reflection? And self-reflection is a skill. And self-reflection also takes some mental headspace and a willingness to go there, right? Mm -hmm. But just listening to you, that's exactly what you've been describing. To know yourself is to be able to reflect um, and and hopefully ultimately to accept. But it's a very different thing from thou shalt have these qualifications by this age, this much in your bank account, you've planned your OE for 4.2 years away, you know, 
it's bringing it right back to basics and, and right now that's essential because everyone has got to learn to live with not having a very set plan. That's right. Or, or certainly not relying on it necessarily being the way life unfolds. Well, you're right. I mean, the whole environment looks different, doesn't it, than 10, 20 years ago. But I think the great thing about people is that essentially we haven't changed. Our human needs are exactly the same as they always were. We all want to be loved. We all want to be approved of. We want to be validated. We want to have people that care about us. We want to be part of the tribe, whether we say that or not. (laughs) We want to be in some way in. We want to feel a sense of belonging. So those human needs can still be met, no matter what the environment, if we go about it the right way. So back to basics, lots of acceptance over this next next year or two, um, lots of listening and keeping an eye out if there's something that really is worrying you. And beyond that, it's... Beyond that, I think parents should really give themselves a break because this is a tremendously hard gig. Um, And no matter how much preparation and time and effort you put into the job, you will never cover all the bases successfully. There will always be something that surprises you. So I think a good deal of self-compassion for any parent who's doing their best um, because, as I said, it's a tough gig and love messes everything up. Thank you, Karen Nimmo, registered clinical psychologist based in Wellington.